Coming up on today's show, a Pittsburgh icon calls it quits. His name is Luca, and he is filthy rich. Lamar Jackson still on the fence about the COVID vaccine, even though he's caught it twice in the last eight months. All that and more coming up in the next two hours of the morning rush. Uh, good morning to you. How the heck are you? So glad to have you on board. So glad you could take some time to tune in and hang out as we kick off uh, this wonderful uh, Tuesday morning. Several ways to get involved on the show, as always. Hit me up on Twitter at WCMD Morning Rush. Uh, my uh, Twitter page at Rush Tony C. That's the letter C and not the word C. Facebook page at WCMD Cumberland Radio. Rush line is open, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance on this Tuesday, uh, 301-759-2628. And do not forget about our podcast page on the free Podbean app. We upload every show every day. Minus commercials, we get them all out of there for you. And you can go back and listen to the show uh, anytime you want. Every show is on there. So we realize that sometimes you can't be in the listening area. You got to be in and out of your car. You miss some things. We get it. So we put the entire show up on our podcast page. All you got to do is uh, get that free Podbean app on your phone or your tablet. And uh, there you go. It's all there. Just for you. several ways to get involved on the show. It is, as always, uh, highly encouraged. All right. Uh, let's kick off today's show as we kick off every show. With a rock around the region. I and we start with Major League Baseball, where absolutely nothing happened yesterday as far as our regional teams go. The Orioles, Nationals, and Pirates all off on Monday, which meant, of course, uh, at least they couldn't lose another game. Tonight, the O's will try to snap a five-game losing streak when they kick off a three-game series against the Tigers at Camden Yards. Uh, Matt Harvey will get the start for Baltimore. The Pirates have also lost five straight. They will start a three-game series with the Cardinals tonight at PNC Park. Stephen Brault will make his second start of the season for Pittsburgh. Uh, during their five-game slide, the Bucks have been outscored 35-11. to And the Nationals, they don't have a losing streak, but... They have lost seven of their last nine. Uh, they will play the first of three games at the Mets. Uh, Paolo Espino uh, will start for Washington, catch the game right here on WCMD this evening. Airtime is a 640. In the NHL, speaking of Washington, the Capitals agreed to a one-year, $2 million deal with restricted free agent, uh, free agent is the actual word in English, Goaltender Ilya Samsonov on Monday. I can say Ilya Samsonov, but I cannot say free agent. Samsonov saw limited action last season because of COVID protocols, but when he did play, he was actually pretty good. Uh, he was 13 4 and 1 with two shutouts. Uh, that was in the regular season. However, he lost all three of his playoff starts in the Caps' first-round loss to Boston. Uh, Samsonov will compete for playing time with Vita Vanacek 
who was taken by the Seattle Kraken in the expansion draft, but then reacquired uh, by the Capitals. And uh, finally, from the ice to the booth, something that absolutely cuts me to the core. A Pittsburgh icon, Hall of Fame Penguins play-by-play guy Mike Lang announced his retirement yesterday. Uh, Lang had been the voice of the Penguins for 46 years. And he spent uh, 50 years in the broadcast game. The first four with uh, the Western Hockey League. And then 46 with the Pens. Much more on that in uh, just a second. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Cap Rally Group. So, talking about Mike Lang. I literally grew up listening uh, to Lang call Penguins games. Of course, as you know, if you listen to the show enough, I am a Southwest PA guy. I'm a Pittsburgh fan through and through. And Lang, quite simply, was one of the greatest that's ever done it. I listened to Lang first on TV and then for years on the radio side. And he is one of the more beloved people in all of Pittsburgh sports. And I say that with no exaggeration whatsoever. And look, the the history, the sports history in Pittsburgh is, it's a long one. It's a great one. You think about all the, the sports legends and icons that come out of Pittsburgh, and I'm telling you right now, Mike Lang is up there. He's up there. Now, look, if you're... If you're a sports fan, you get it. You have you have the voices that you grew up on, voices that provided you know part of the soundtrack of your life. Now there are the national broadcasting icons you know that everybody knows, like uh, Al Michaels, Marv Albert, Keith Jackson. Oh, let me tell you about. Keith Jackson from Oklahoma, you know, just one of the greatest. Dick Enberg, you go know, on and on and on. And there are even some team guys who were known on a national level, like the Dodgers' Vince Scully or you know, the Cardinals' Jack Buck. But most of us, I think, are used to listening to our guys, right? The hometown guys, the homers. You know, I... I grew up very early. I guess we all grew up very early. Uh, Jack Fleming and the Gunner, Bob Prince, right? Those were the the early, and I can even hardly, barely remember uh, Jack Prince. Or, I'm sorry, Bob Prince. Uh, later on, it was like uh, a guy like Lanny Frateri with the Pirates. And, of course, a Pittsburgh legend in his own right, Myron Cope with the Steelers. And again, if you listen, if you've been a Pittsburgh fan, you know who I'm talking about. Even if you're not a Pittsburgh fan, you may still know who I'm talking about, especially when it comes uh, to Myron Cope. You talk about a guy right there who simply did not have a voice for radio. (laughs) He had a voice that would just cut right through you. Nasally, but it worked. It worked because of the personality. It wasn't so much the voice behind Myron Cope. It was the personality. And, of course, he was also the inventor of the terrible towel. So you had Cope, and then, of course, uh, there was Mike Lang, 
with the Penguins. And every city, every sports city has those guys, has their hometown guys. Again, my guys, Fleming, Prince, Frateri, Cope, Lang, really, Bill Hillgrove is the only one left in Pittsburgh as far as the old guard goes. He's been the voice of Pitt football since 1974. And he took over for Fleming as the voice of the Steelers in 1994. Everyone else that I mentioned, all the guys that I used to listen to growing up, they're gone. They either passed away or, like in the case of Mike Lang here, retired. I think for Terry, he might actually be teaching at Last time I checked, he's at Waynesburg College in PA, I think. I don't know if he's still doing it now, but the last time I checked, that's where he was. And every sports city has those guys. If you're a Baltimore fan, you have grown up your Baltimore guys. Whoever, and I don't know who they are, whoever called the, you know, the Colts back in the day or the Orioles. I, it was uh oh shoot. John Miller for the longest time, right? For the Orioles. Still one of the best. I love listening to Miller when he does did games on ESPN. You know, Washington had their guys, right? Every sports city city has their hometown broadcast guys. And if you're not a Penguins fan or you're not a hockey fan, you you might not know too much about Mike Lang. But I can guarantee at some point you've heard one of his goal calls. If you listen to this show, I guarantee you've heard one of his goals, because I, I, I play him all the time. Or you've at least heard somebody mimic one of his calls. Because he would always punctuate a goal call with certain catchphrases. And those catchphrases would just, they would become legendary in Pittsburgh. Now, I remember playing hockey when I was a kid. We would play street hockey. We would, uh, well, first of all, either play it in the street or find an old uh, tennis court where the nets were gone. And ultimately, that was the best place to play because the tennis courts were surrounded by a fence. So you wouldn't have to constantly chase uh, the hockey ball uh, down the street. Then I played a little bit uh, in college, and I played some deck hockey. And it was just the thing to do if you scored a goal is you immediately went into Mike Lang mode, right? And and Lang had this kind of gravelly, he just has such a unique voice. And whenever the Pens would score, he'd get into that, hey, shoots and scores. Now, I can't do it as good as Lang, but you get the point. And then we would always use one of the, the catchphrases, you know, like, uh, you know, Michael, Michael, motorcycle, and none, none of the phrases made sense, by the way. None. They were completely just nonsensical. They had nothing to do with hockey. But that was his thing. And he even took, uh, you know, like suggestions from fans about new catchphrases. You know, scratch. One, one of the more famous ones was scratch my back with a hacksaw. Or uh, buy Sam a drink and get his dog one, too. And those things just became just part of 
who he was as a broadcaster, part of the Penguins broadcast. And, and he would begin every broadcast with, it's a hockey night in Pittsburgh, right? And then he would punctuate every Penguins win with Elvis has just left the building. Back in, I want it was 2009, right? Back in 2009, uh, TSN, which is uh, Canada's equivalent to ESPN, uh, of course, they had their own top 10 list like ESPN does. And back in 2009, uh, TSN had a top 10 list of Mike Lang goal calls. And uh, here it is. They went reach in to get that puck. Crosby's pass to Marion Osa. Stutter steps, goes into the Flyers in. Through people and fire scored! Oh, what a play by Osa! He turns goaltender Moran inside out and he just lost his liquor license. Crosby looking. Loose in front. Still a loose puck picked up by Becky. And Sidney Crosby has scored his first goal ever in a Pittsburgh Penguins uniform. Oh, slap me, silly Sidney. Crosby's going to take it off Koskala. He shoots and scores. Oh, slap me, silly Sidney. Hoffman still on here from the power play. Walks out and shoots. Here's Alf Samuelson shooting and scoring. He gets a second goal. Alf Samuelson gets the Penguins their sixth goal. Now he's smiling like a butcher's dog. Shooting scoring deflected by Yager, I believe. Yager may have got a stick on it. The Penguins have taken an early 1 0 lead. Now Murphy and the fans are smiling like a butcher's dog. They may rebound. Stalker can't put it in. Score! Brown gets the goal. The Penguins get their fourth. And they lead four to two. Oh, let's go hunt Moose on a Harley. Oh, scratch my back with a hacksaw. You got it. Elvis has just left the building. You want to go he is, Hosen? Elvis scores as he beats Theodore like a redded mule. Joey Mullen taps him by Matt Beatbrook, and he beats him like a redded mule. Yarmir Yager beats Luongo like a redded mule. Artie Straka beats Tommy Salo. He beat him like a redded mule. Seconds to go. Loose around to the far corner. Two seconds. The Penguins are going to win the Stanley Cup, I believe. Stelio shoots it blocked. The Penguins have won the Stanley Cup. Oh, Lord Stanley. Lord Stanley, get me the brandy. Think about that. This guy, that gave me goosebumps listening to it. I love Let's Go Hunt Moose and a Harley. This guy got to call the careers of Mario Lemieux. Yarmer Yager, Sidney Crosby. He got to call five Stanley Cup championships. Five. That one you heard was the very first one. Lord Stanley, Lord Stanley, get me the brandy. Lang started with the Penguins in 1974-75. I was three 
when he started his career with the Penguins. He did radio. He left for one year, came back in 76, 77, and then never left. He did uh, radio exclusively until 1979, and then the Penguins began uh, to simulcast radio and television, kind of like what the A's are doing now with the A's cast. The Oakland A's, their radio and TV calls are the same. The Penguins were doing that back in 1979. And then back in 79, that's kind of whenever Elvis has just left the building, which he actually got that from a baseball call. I remember him telling a story. He was in his car listening to some random baseball game. He can't even remember who the broadcaster was. And somebody hit a home run. And the baseball announcer with his home run call was Elvis just left the building. Who knows? Maybe Elvis was the name of the batter. Nobody nobody knows. But <laughs> Lang took that and incorporated that into his, his hockey call. Uh, she wants to sell my monkey. Again, nonsensical. Makes no sense whatsoever. But he used that one as one of his, <laughs> his catchphrases. Uh, let's see here. He was a TV voice of the Pens through 2005-2006. And then he went to the radio booth the next season after that. Oh, I forgot Malkin. How can I, how can I forget Malkin? He also, you know, he's been there for Geno's career as well. Uh, Penguins president and CEO David Morehouse uh, says that, quote, Mike is a broadcasting legend, not just in Pittsburgh, but in all of sports. Uh, Mike's clever phrases and goal calls are synonymous with the most iconic moments in Penguins history. And most people know him, if they know him, because of the catchphrases. But he was just a good hockey announcer. I mean, he he was just, he flowed. I mean, he, he just, he didn't overstate anything. And you hear some, you hear some of the, and I even talk about him on this show, some of the goal calls we hear from some guys today, they are so over the top. They're just yelling and screaming, and it's just, it's ridiculous is what it is. The guy from the Lightning's first one that comes to, to mind. But even in his goal calls, while Lane got excited, he didn't get too excited. He just, he went super gravelly, super just like, hey, it just, it was excited, but it wasn't screaming and yelling. He just, he called a great game. And, and when, it, when the news broke yesterday, I mean, you, you went on the socials, and you had fans of other teams kind of giving a tip of the cap to Mike Lang. Even I saw a guy who's a Capitals fan, and he said, as a Capitals fan, he doesn't have too much nice to say about Pittsburgh, and I understand that. But he just said, i got to give it up for Mike Lang. You know, if you know hockey, you know Mike Lang. He's a Hall of Famer. He's already a Hall of Famer. And to be quite honest— it literally broke my heart yesterday when I heard that that he was retiring. Because again, it's just it's an end of an era. It's an end. It's just another voice of my sports childhood that's gone. Penguins hockey and Mike Lang synonymous for for nearly fifty years. Now he only called uh, a handful of games last season. Because of all the COVID restrictions, uh, he was worried about his health. And you understand that. And that kind of upsets me a bit because, like, as Penguins fans, 
you know, we were denied one more season of Lang calling games. He, he called a couple games near the end of the regular season. Then he called uh, games one and five of the Islanders playoff series. And that was it. And even before the pandemic, uh, Lang was cutting back on the number of games he was doing. He was he's getting older. He couldn't do it. And he would only do uh, home games in Pittsburgh. And then Josh Getzoff would do all, all the road games. And then if Lang couldn't do a home game, Josh would step in there as well. So you can kind of – like him retiring wasn't a surprise. You knew it was coming sooner than later. I mean, I think he's what now, 75? Somewhere around there. And in, in recent years, you, you could you could tell his voice uh, just quite wasn't what it was. But here, here's the craziest thing about Mike Lang is if you heard him talk away from the game, if you heard him do a commercial or you heard him just talking in an interview, you could tell his voice was just almost gone. It just wasn't, wasn't the same. But as soon as, soon as the game started, he was right back into it. As soon as he started calling the game, it was Mike Lang all over again. But again, you you, you saw it coming. Uh, they did have a Mike Lang night a couple years ago. But it's a shame that he couldn't kind of get the proper send-off. Does that, does that make sense? Because of the pandemic, you know, the year, the bubble, and then last year. It, it was, I don't know. It, it, it deserved a proper ending. Uh, than what it got. And Lang, you know, he's going to remain part of the Penguins radio network. I guess he's going to uh, add some commentary and voice work on a limited basis. But but as far as his days in the play-by-play booth, uh, they're done. It's a hockey night in Pittsburgh. I learned very quickly about what Pittsburgh was all about. At that time when I came here, the Steelers were the talk of the town. It was the first year that they were going to win the Super Bowl. So Myron Cope was here. Bob Prince was here. Rosie well, Rosewell, who I looked up, was an unbelievable guy in uniqueness and everything. And I said, man, I think I'm in the right place. It's a hockey night in Pittsburgh. Tonight from the Civic Arena, the Penguins meet the New York Islanders. Walking to the net. Here he comes. He shoots and scores. Here Lemieux. Oh, great. Balls of fire. Time runs out. The Stanley Cup has come to the city of Pittsburgh. The 1991 Stanley Cup champions, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yarmer Yager. Ladies and gentlemen, Ellie has just left the movie. Yeah! I love it. What a good shot. Score! Unit wins it for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Foster Hewitt Memorial Award carries a special, special meaning to me. It's a hockey night in Pittsburgh. It's a hockey night in Pittsburgh. And I'll meet you in the schoolyard, baby, for all the marbles. I got the marbles! This is absolutely a, a great thrill. It really is, no matter if it happens once, twice, three, four, five times. I go back and think of all the years that I've been here. I can only thank the fans so much that uh, you've been a big part of the success I've had. The little things that we've come up with, the phrases, a whole lot of that is because of you. And I am thankful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Mike Lang, voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has just left the building.
that audio uh, courtesy of the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Mike Lang, the iconic, legendary. I got goosebumps again. This is ridiculous. Hall of Fame announcer calling it quits after 46 years uh, with the Pens. All right, uh, time for a break. News and weather coming up. When we come back, he's 22 years old and he's stinking rich. Stick around for that, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. That song there, by the way. I saw, I've been watching this uh, series on Netflix called This Is Pop. Great uh, series. No, I won't. Okay, great is strong, but very interesting. It just, it's a series of like 45 minute documentaries just focusing on different areas of, of pop music. Like the first episode was about. Uh, the effect that Boys to Men had on, on the pop scene, how they exploded onto the scene, and then all of a sudden just were gone, which really is the story of most <laughs> most pop artists. Then there was one uh, <laughs> about auto-tune and how T-Pain and auto-tune almost killed music. And and they're very, very interesting. Anyway, uh, there was well, the one I watched last night was on what they call Britpop which is the British pop explosion. And two things. First of all, I didn't realize that Blur, who does uh, song number two, which is part of that rejoin, I didn't realize they were British. I had no idea. No clue. They were from across the pond. None. Secondly, and what made this episode uh, very interesting, was there was this massive feud between them and Oasis like at the height of the Brit pop explosion, like a literal feud. Like they, they couldn't stand each other. Of course, Oasis couldn't stand anybody. The Gallagher brothers were just, just boneheads, but they were really, really good. And there was this big race to see who was going to be number one. And they, they released singles at the same time. Very good stuff. I highly recommend it, especially if you're a music fan and you don't even have to be a pop music fan but a music fan in general, to check it out on Netflix, uh, This Is Pop. I also watched last night another episode uh, of that. It was called uh, Country to Pop and how country music has kind of blurred the line between the traditional country music and then pop music. Of course, they were talking about people like uh, Shania Twain, right? Uh, Taylor Swift. Dolly Parton is one of the first ones to really go from the traditional country sound to kind of mainstream pop. But really bugged me by that episode, oh, by the way, is a somehow, some way, and this is recent because they were talking about Tanya Tucker winning her first two Grammys last year in 2020. But they somehow completely avoided the bro country era. Like, I don't know how you can do, how can you do a show about country turning into pop without mentioning like Luke Bryan, Jason Aldean, Florida, Georgia. How can you do that? Like bro country is the epitome of country going pop. And they didn't even touch on it. I'm going to have to write somebody a very sternly worded letter. Anyway, I highly recommend uh, you watch This Is Pop on Netflix. That's a free plug. I don't get paid for that. I don't get paid for much around here. 
Uh, speaking of getting paid, imagine, if you will, being 22 years old and signing a contract that will pay you $207 million. That's what happened to Dallas Mavericks young superstar Luka Doncic, who signed a landmark Supermax rookie extension. This is according to his agent, Bill Duffy. Five years, 207 mil. I was 22 years old. I was in college. I couldn't even handle my beer money, let alone $207 million. With more on the monster signing, here's ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Woj! Luka Doncic has agreed to sign that five-year, $207 million Supermax contract. That'll include a player option on the last year. This is a landmark deal for Luka Doncic, his agent Bill Duffy from BDA Sports. This is the first rookie-eligible signing the Supermax who's already eligible. He's already fulfilled the criteria to get that full $207 million because he's been named All-NBA twice. He will sign that deal tomorrow. I'm told they'll have a press conference in Slovenia. But Mark Cuban, Jason Kidd, Nico Harrison, you know, this entire uh, Dallas contingent is in Slovenia. They flew in to present it to him. And now Bill Duffy tells me that Luka will sign this deal tomorrow. And now uh, really the future face of the NBA, a player everybody expects to win multiple MVPs, perhaps even championships, is now locked up in Dallas uh, on his five-year, $207 million deal. You mentioned the Mavericks brass, too. Some new names, of course, a new head coach and Jason Kidd. What kind of a priority was this for the Mavs, especially after their longtime GM and their longtime head coach were both out after the season? Priority number one, two, three, four, uh, this was it. And I think they certainly had confidence, you know, that Luca wanted to sign the deal, that he's committed uh, in Dallas. Uh, it was a lot more to be done. They've gotten to the playoffs twice. He's had some historic performances in the postseason against these in these two series with the Clippers. Uh, but they're trying to put more pieces around him, get Kristaps Porzingis back playing at a high level. They re-signed Tim Hardaway uh, formally today. Uh, but Luka Doncic... Listen, this is not just an organization that's building itself around Luka Doncic. This is a league uh, that is going to largely be built around his star power. Now, Woj mentioned uh, tomorrow a couple times. Uh, That clip was from yesterday. So by tomorrow, he meant today. Doncic will sign the deal in Slovenia today and have a press conference today. And look, he's already accomplished a ton In a very short time, he became the youngest MVP in EuroLeague history in 2017-18 when he led Real Madrid to a championship before being taken third overall in the NBA draft by Atlanta, who a lot of people forget the Hawks drafted him. Then he immediately traded him to Dallas for Trey Young and a future first-round pick. Then, uh, Luka won Rookie of the Year in 2018-19 and has been a first-team All-NBA selection the past two years, becoming, oh, by the way, just the fourth player to be named All-NBA multiple times before their 23rd birthday. And Luka and Kevin Durant are the only players to accomplish that feat 
since the ABA-NBA merger. Former NBA player and current ESPN analyst uh, Ryan Hollins says signing Luka to that deal was an absolute no-brainer. Smart choice, Mark Cuban. You know, <laughs> lock that man up for as long as you can keep him there. Mark knows, he, he's no no dummy, that Luka is the type of talent and guy that, uh, because of his skill set, Mark Cuban sees, and I played for Mark, you know, I was over there in Dallas, he sees sustainability. And one thing, you know, I talked about with Mark Cuban, he said, you know, how's your, we, we talked about it, he said, man, how's your jump shot? You know, the jump shot is sustainability. That's something that, you know, you're going to roll with. And he knows that Luka is a bona fide scorer, and because of his high IQ, you can see him, you know, a player away from really making a run in the Western Conference and being an NBA champ one day. But you've got a piece, much like he saw in Dirk Nowitzki, that, hey, man, if I put the right pieces around you, it's a championship. And we even heard, you know, it, Dirk come out and, and say that, hey, man, he's better than me at this age. And it, it is true. It took Dirk a while to adjust to the NBA. And Dirk ended up being one of the greatest power forwards we've ever seen play the game. But Luka Doncic is on a hellish pace, man. Hear me when I say a hellish pace to be one of the greatest players that we've ever played a game, seen play to play game of basketball. So um, Mark Cuban knows it. And at this time, man, if you're Luka, you take that money. And he moved on from a, a, a coach who de- delivered his first championship in Rick Carlisle, maybe because he didn't see eye-to-eye with Luka Doncic. I don't know what was going on in that Dallas locker room, and I played for Rick. But ultimately, I think that was a big move of pleasing Luka Doncic and going out and getting Jason Kidd, getting a guy who speaks the point guards, the big guards language. So far in his NBA career, Doncic is averaging 25.7 points, 8.4 rebounds, and 7.7 assists a game. He has been even better in the playoffs, averaging 33.5 points, 9.5 assists, and just under 9 boards in 13 postseason games. Talking to talk, walking the walk, getting paid. Five years, $207 million. I want to be Luca's friend. All right, one more break, and then we'll come back to wrap up our number one. Stick around. Rush rolls on. WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Tony C in the big chair, but uh, not for too much longer. In case you missed the announcement yesterday, uh, my run in radio uh, is coming to an end. I have decided uh, that it is time to do something else. So Friday uh, will be my last show. It will be my last day here with the company. I am, at least for now... Retiring from the radio media biz. What the future holds in store for me next, I do not know. I could be back here in a year. Who knows? There's something about radio. There's something about newspaper. There's something about writing in general. Now, once it just gets in your system, it's hard to get rid of. I've actually walked away from radio twice before. But yet here I sit. <laughs> because there were just times. Look, it's not an easy business. It's not an easy business to get into. At times, I would not recommend it. Uh, way back in the day when I was in college, I got my uh, bachelor's degree in journalism. Little did I know, 
that newspapers would be in a situation they're in now 30 years down the road, or else I never would have done it. That's why I've kind of gotten away from the whole newspaper thing. Radio, kind of the same thing, kind of the same deal. It is a difficult business to get into. It's a difficult business to sustain once you're in it. A lot of moving and shaking, a lot of changes. I guess that's with anything. Things just change over time, right? And there were some moments in my career where I just had enough. That it just looked like, well, this isn't going to work. You gave it your best shot, champ, but the radio thing wasn't going to work. But every time that happened and I walked away, I just, well, what's the old movie? You know, the movie line, every time I try to get out, it, it pulled me back in. And I got pulled back in again. I've been here for 10 years. So while I sit here and say that I'm done after Friday, who knows? Although I can sit here and tell you right now, like right now, at 6.53, Tuesday morning, August 10th, 2021, that I am done for good. I say that now. <laughs> but you never know. Uh, Burke is back tomorrow, by the way. Tomorrow, uh, Mike Burke, the venerable one, usually here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, not here today, had to handle some business. So he'll be back tomorrow and Thursday, and then we will be here for our, our final show uh, on Friday when I will say my my final farewell to uh, one and all. Got some, you know, encouraging text messages. When we made the announcement yesterday, some encouraging text messages, people who, you know, I've worked with in the past and still do, you know, uh, you know, sucks to see you go, best of luck, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it is what it is. Parting is such sweet sorrow. And people, people ask me, oh, are you, you going to miss it? No. That's why I'm leaving. <laughs> if I was going to miss it, I would still be here. That's kind of why you retire from something. That's kind of why you leave something. Because there's a good chance that you won't miss it when you're gone. No, I'm not going to miss it. Not the whole thing. There may be some little pieces and parts and some people. But overall, probably not. <laughs> just, be, just being honest. If I loved it so much to where I would miss it, uh, I, I wouldn't be leaving. So anyway, uh, you know, there you go. In case you missed the announcement yesterday, uh, there it is again. Uh, your boy Tony C, as of this Friday, Gonto, out, Dunsky, at least for the uh, the foreseeable future. Uh, coming up next hour, Lamar Jackson still on the fence about getting vaccinated, even though he's got COVID twice in the past eight months. Some NFL news. And uh, we'll rock around the region, some baseball news, some uh, hockey news, a Pittsburgh icon calling it quits, all that and more next hour. Stick around, 102.1 FM, AM 1230, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Baby, reminder, seven ways to get involved on the show. Hit me up on Twitter at WCMD Morning Rush. You only got four days left to do that. My show page, at Rush Tony C, that's the letter C, not the word, on Facebook before that page goes away. 
at WCMD Cumberland Radio. A rush line is open, 301-759-2628. Your chance to dial and dance. Shamo. 301-759-2628. And, of course, uh, our podcast page. On the free Podbean app, we upload every show every day, minus commercials, just for you. So if you missed anything, uh, you can go back and uh, check it out at your convenience. So, for instance, if you missed the first hour, uh, we talked. well, we talked again about me leaving the show, me leaving the company Friday. We talked about uh, Luka Doncic signing a massive, a Supermax rookie extension, five years, $207 million with the Mavericks. And we talked about the retirement of a Pittsburgh icon. Pittsburgh Penguins announcer Mike Lang uh, calling it quits yesterday. 46 years in the Penguins booth. And uh, that and much more we uh, we talked about in our Rock Around the Region, which we will do right now. I want to rock right now. We'll start with Major League Baseball, where uh, last night uh, nothing happened. <laughs> Orioles, Nationals, and Pirates were all off yesterday, which – Good news was uh, they couldn't lose again. Uh, tonight, the O's will try to snap a five-game losing streak when they kick off a three-game series against the Tigers at Camden. Uh, Matt Harvey gets to start for Baltimore. The Pirates have also lost five straight. They will start a three-game series with the Cardinals tonight at PNC Park. Stephen Brault will make his second start of the season for Pittsburgh, uh, during their five-game slide, the Bucks have been outscored 35-11. to And the Nationals, uh, they don't have a losing streak, but they have lost seven of their last nine. Now, they will play the first of three games at the Mets. Uh, Paolo Espino will start for Washington, and you can catch that game right here on WCMD. Airtime is a 640. In the NHL, staying in Washington... The Capitals agreed to a one-year, $2 million deal with restricted free agent goaltender Ilya Samsonov yesterday. Now, Samsonov saw limited action last season because of COVID protocols. He was actually in protocol twice uh, last season. When he did play, he was he was pretty good. 13-4-1 uh, with two shutouts in the regular season. However... Not so great in the postseason. He lost all three of his playoff starts uh, in the Caps' first-round loss to Boston. Now, Samsonov will compete for playing time with Vita Vanacek, who was taken by Seattle in the expansion draft, but then reacquired by the Capitals. And finally, uh, from the ice to the booth, just mentioned it, a Pittsburgh icon, Hall of Fame Announcer, Penguins play-by-play guy Mike Lang announced his retirement yesterday. Lang uh, had been the voice of the Pens for 46 years. And that is your Rock Around the Region brought to you by the Cap Rally Group. Put that right there in file 13. Yeah, the Lang thing, again, uh, in case you missed the first hour, that that just it cut me to the core. It really did. It That literally broke my heart when I heard about Lang retiring. I, I grew up listening to him, right? He, I was three when he started his 
career with the Penguins back in 74, 75. And as I talked about before, if you're a sports fan, you grew up in or near a sports city, you know your hometown guys. You grow up listening to your hometown guys. When Baltimore had their guys, Washington, Pittsburgh, right? It is it, they provide part of the soundtrack of your life if you're a sports fan. And Lang was one of those guys for me. Like early on, you had you know you had guys in Pittsburgh like uh, Jack Fleming, the Gunner, Bob Prince. Later, it was uh, Lanny for Terry with the Pirates. Of course, the legendary Myron Cope with the Steelers, a guy who had the worst radio voice of all time. But, man, he was Pittsburgh through and through because of Myron's personality. And, of course, he invented the terrible towel as well. And then there was Lang with, with the Penguins. And, you know, as you get older, these things happen. The things that you were used to, the things you grew up with, well, they, they start to go away. And really, when you're talking about Pittsburgh, Bill Hillgrove is the only one left. He's the only one left from the old guard because he's been doing pit football games since 1974. And then he took over for Jack Fleming as the voice of the Steelers in 1994. Everybody else, all the guys I listened to growing up, they're gone. They either passed away or retired, just like Mike Lang did yesterday. And, look, if you're not a Penguins fan or a hockey fan, you, you probably don't know much about Mike Lang, but I can guarantee at some point, especially if you listen to this show enough, you've heard one of Lang's goal calls or you've heard somebody mimic one of his goal calls because he had like, he would punctuate the goal calls with, with those his famous catchphrases, which had become legendary in Pittsburgh. And, again, <laughs> they had nothing to do with hockey. It's just somebody would score, and, and Lang would go into the, hey, shoots and scores. And then it was always some <laughs> ridiculous, like, Michael, Michael motorcycle. Scratch my back with a hacksaw. Oh, he's smiling like a butcher's dog. Buy Sam a drink and get his dog one, too. Get in the fast lane, Grandma. The bingo game's ready to roll. She wants to, this is one of my favorites, she wants to sell my monkey. No idea what that means. But it just just added to the legacy of Lang. And Oh, by the way, Lang was much more than his catchphrases. Lang called a great hockey game. Never too over the top like some guys these days. Didn't have to yell and scream every time a goal was, was scored. Just, man, he flowed. He called a great hockey game. That's why he's a Hall of Famer. That's why he's a Hall of Famer. Of course, he would begin every broadcast with, it's a hockey night in Pittsburgh. And then he would punctuate every Penguins win with Elvis has just left the building. 50-year career overall. He he spent four years in the, I think, the Western Hockey League. And then 46 years with the Penguins, TV and radio. Got to call, you know, call games during the careers of Mario Lemieux, Yager, Crosby, Malkin. He got to call, <laughs> he got to call five Stanley Cup championships. 
just an outstanding, outstanding career uh, for one uh, Mike Lang. It's a hockey night in Pittsburgh. I learned very quickly about what Pittsburgh was all about. At that time when I came here, the Steelers were the talk of the town. It was the first year that they were going to win the Super Bowl. So Myron Cope was here. Bob Prince was here. Rosie well Rosewell, who I looked up, was an unbelievable guy in uniqueness and everything. And I said, man, I think I'm in the right place. It's a hockey night in Pittsburgh. Tonight from the Civic Arena, the Penguins meet the New York Islanders. Walking to the net, here he comes. He shoots and scores. Mario Lemieux, oh, great balls of fire. Time runs out. The Stanley Cup has come to the city of Pittsburgh. The 1991 Stanley Cup champions, the Pittsburgh Penguins. The armor yager. Ladies and gentlemen, they've just left the movie. Yeah, I love it. Foster Hewitt Memorial Award carries a special, special meaning to me. It's a hockey night in Pittsburgh. It's a hockey night in Pittsburgh. And I'll meet you in the schoolyard, baby, for all the marbles. I got the marbles! This is absolutely a, a great thrill. It really is, no matter if it happens once, twice, three, four, five times. I go back and think of all the years that I've been here. I can only thank the fans so much that uh, you've been a big part of the success I've had. The little things that we've come up with, the phrases, a whole lot of that is because of you. And I am thankful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm Mike Lang, voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has just left the building. So there you go. Again, I played that twice this morning. I got goosebumps, goosebumps both times. Uh, Lang will, by the way, remain part of the Penguins radio network. Uh, he'll add some commentary and voice work on a limited basis, but as far as his days in the play-by-play booth, uh, they are done. And it, it, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's it's really sad because he only did a handful of games last year. He stayed away because of COVID. And he's he's old. He's in the mid seventies, and he you know he wanted to take care of his health. And I think he did a couple regular season games near the end of the season. He did two playoff games, and that was it. And he I think he did, he deserved a better send off. This story deserved a better ending than just a handful of games last year. And I don't think he did any games. Did he do games the year before when they were in the bubble? I think maybe he did. But then the year before that before the pandemic. And he was even limited himself back then because he would only do home games. And Josh Getzoff would do the road games. So you, you could kind of tell it was coming the past couple of years as he was scaling back his work. But still, you know, news came out yesterday that he was he was calling the quits. It's just and it's just one it's just things that happen. As you get older, right? Things in your childhood as you grew up, they just start to fade away. So anyway, Mike Lang, uh, legend, icon, truly one of the more beloved sports people in Pittsburgh ever. And I say that with no exaggeration. And if you're from Pittsburgh or you follow this sports scene, you know I'm telling the truth. Uh, he, uh, it, it won't be the same. It won't be the same without Mike Lang. It really won't. All right, uh, let's switch gears now to uh, football. Lamar Jackson. 
joined uh, Ravens camp on Saturday after spending his second stint on uh, the COVID list. He has been infected with COVID-19 twice. He's tested positive twice in the last eight months. Still, he is on the fence about getting the COVID vaccine. Jackson was asked three times after practice yesterday if he was uh, considering uh, getting vaccinated. I mean, you know, I, I just got off the COVID list. You know, I, you know, I got to talk to my team doctors and, you know, try to see how they feel about it. You know, um, keep learning as much as I can about it and we'll go from there. So you might, you might go for it. We'll see. We'll see. Talking to the doctors. We'll see. I feel it's a personal decision. You know, I'm just going to worry about that with my family. You know, um, keep my feelings to my family and myself. Uh, I'm focused on getting better right now. You know, I can't dwell on that right now, how everybody else feels. Just trying to get back in a great routine. Now, uh, last November, first of all, you know, he says he has to talk to his team about it. Uh, he has to talk to the doctors about it. And it is. It's, it's a personal decision. But last November, Jackson tested positive for COVID. He missed one game. And after that, he said that he wouldn't wish COVID on anybody. Then he returns to camp this past Saturday after missing 10 days, which is the NFL-mandated quarantine for unvaccinated players who test positive for COVID. And yesterday, Jackson said that he dealt with the same symptoms as he did back in November and said that he slept a lot because of fatigue, but still wouldn't budge on whether he's getting vaccinated. And he's one of the very few players on the Ravens who have not been vaccinated. The team entered training camp with a 90% vaccination rate. Now, Baltimore is currently in talks with Jackson on a uh, a long-term deal. And those talks, I'm sure, took a turn when Buffalo and Josh Allen agreed to a six-year $250 million extension on Friday, which made Allen the first quarterback from the uh, from that 2018 draft class to get a new deal. Now, look, there's no urgency for the Ravens to get a new deal done with Lamar because he's under contract through 2022. And right now, the Ravens are up against the salary cap. They are cap-strapped, if you will. And if I'm the Ravens, and Jackson keeps hedging on getting vaccinated. I'm definitely not in a hurry to get him locked up long term, especially for a deal that's going to be close, if not more, than Josh Allen's. Now, I'm not saying that the Ravens should use the vaccine like as a bargaining tool. Like, I'm not saying, you know, they should say, you you get vaccinated or you're not getting a new deal. I'm not saying that. But if I'm the Ravens, I am not in a hurry to throw a ton of money at a player who might miss more games in the future because he keeps getting COVID and refuses to get vaccinated. He's got it twice in the last eight months. He missed one game last year. He's missed 10 days of camp. What happens if he gets it again this season? You're talking about your MVP quarterback here, right? 
You're talking about your MVP. You're talking about the future of your franchise here. Now, Jackson said he's not concerned about the long-term effects of getting COVID-19. Those are still yet to be determined, depending on who you listen to, because there's opinions everywhere. But if you're the Ravens, you got to be a little bit cautious here, a little bit. Now, chances are, again, he's, he's under contract through 2022. So that's this year and next year. Chances are they'll get an extension done. A big-time extension. Probably more than Josh Allen. Baker Mayfield, by the way, he's about to get paid too because he was the number one pick in 2018. Although he hasn't really proven. He's proven some. Some. I think he made some big steps last year, but he, he still has issues. But as far as Jackson, he'll get he'll get the extension. But I'm still going to be cautious. And I, I don't know. And again, getting the vaccine, it's a personal decision. And I've said it before on this show. I'll say it again. If you get it, great. If not, okay. That is, that's your decision. It's on you. It's your life. You do you. I got mine as soon as I could. Haven't regretted it a single day since. But if you don't want to get it for your own reasons, okay. If Lamar Jackson doesn't want to get it, even though he's gotten COVID twice, even though he said that he wouldn't wish COVID on anybody, then all right. But if I'm the Ravens, you got to be a little bit cautious. Because if you got it twice, he could get a third time or maybe a fourth time. And he missed one game last year. Who's to say he doesn't get it again? And then he misses two or three games. And then what? That's something you have to consider. It's something you have to consider. Because we are a, uh, I know people want to say this pandemic is over. It isn't. We're still in the thick of it. We're still in the middle of it. And these things are going to continue to happen. And you got a guy who's gotten it twice. Your MVP quarterback has gotten it twice in eight months. If he gets it again this season, like at what point did the Ravens say, you know what, you really, you probably should get this. You really should, I mean, again, 90% of the team. And, and and Lamar said he's going to talk to the team. What do you think the team's going to say? The team's going to say, we need you here. We need you. Now remember, the NFL mandate, the NFL mandated quarantine for an unvaccinated player who gets COVID is 10 days. 10 days. If Jackson gets COVID again this season, he's out automatically for 10 days if he doesn't get vaccinated. That's a week and a half. That's at least one game, if not two. What do you think his team's going to say? You need to get the shots. Lamar, you need to get the shots. We need you on the field. Doctors are going to tell him the same thing. Team doctors are going to tell him the same thing. I would have to assume John Harbaugh is going to tell him the same thing. You are the key to our success. You are our MVP quarterback. We need you on the field. Please get the vaccine. But again, it comes down to personal decision. If he doesn't want to get it, then you deal with the consequences. And if that means he misses a game or two or maybe three, which 
ultimately, you know, hey, it could it could determine the Ravens finishing first in the North. It could determine whether you know they make a playoff spot or where the, where they're seated or whatever. And maybe I'm a bit hesitant to give them a long term deal. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. If I had to guess, and this is all, ju- I'm just guessing here. He's gonna he's gonna get the vaccine. After talking to, I have a feeling he is going to be persuaded by some of his team. He's going to get it, and then eventually he'll get locked up. He'll get locked up long term. That's just my guess. Uh, and some other quarterback news. We are entering the uh, first full weekend of preseason games again. Washington uh, plays Thursday, as uh, does uh, the Steelers as well. Several teams uh, still have some question marks at quarterback. One of those teams still uh, being the Texans, as that whole Deshaun Watson drama is still hovering over the team. Now, they did get their QB back in pads for the first time yesterday. With more, here is uh, Adam Schefter. The latest twist to the drama unfolding in Houston regarding Texas quarterback Deshaun Watson came today when the veteran quarterback showed up in practice in pads for his first padded practice of training camp. Up until now, Watson largely had been the highest paid scout team safety in the NFL, not taking many snaps, not being in pads, not playing much quarterback. But while teams around the league continue to wonder if the Texans would be willing to deal him, and as the Texans resist calls and overtures from other teams and decline to take real offers, The drama unfolding, Watson continues with the investigation from the Houston Police Department and the NFL surrounding the 22 civil lawsuits that still are pending. There are legal issues that tie into the football issues that just continue one of the unfolding dramas in the NFL. But the latest today, Deshaun Watson, his first padded practice of this summer. So (laughs) Texans get Watson back in pads. Whether they want him there in pads or not, I don't know. Like all the that stuff hasn't gone away. Oh, by the way, there's still the the 22 allegations, the sexual harassment. Alleg- alleg- I don't know how this guy is still on the field. I mean, Trevor Bauer, the pitcher for the Dodgers, had one woman accuse him of some stuff, and Major League Baseball immediately put him on leave. Like they didn't even hesitate. I don't even think he's back yet, is he? And then here's a guy in Watson who has 22 sexual allegations against him, and he's he's back in pads with the team. I, I, I don't I don't get that. Like if I'm the Texans, I'm like, you know what? You, you need, I understand he's your franchise quarterback, maybe, but you might want to sit this out. You, you might just want to, you know. Stay low key, stay off the field. We'll, we'll we'll get on without you until this is resolved. Because it, it, until it's resolved, it's, it's going to hang over the Texans and that team. It could be all season. Who knows? Until this investigation is over. But it amazes me how how the two leagues handled allegations, sexual allegations. Trevor Bauer immediately put on leave by Major League Baseball. Deshaun Watson suiting up yesterday for the first time in camp. It's, I don't know. I don't get it. (laughs) I just don't get it. 
If I'm a Texans, I'd have been like, you know what? Just we're going to distance ourselves from Deshaun Watson until all this is figured out. But for now, he's in camp. All right, uh, more NFL news coming up after uh, this break. News and weather uh, around the corner. Stick around. 102.1 FM, AM 1230, uh, WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. So that just happened. During the break, went to take a drink of my coffee and... Have you ever gone to drink something and you tilt the cup back a little bit too far <laughs> and it all comes just flooding out? Yeah, I just did that. So there you go. Got coffee all up in my beard, on my shirt. Ridiculous. <laughs> Rush line is open, 301-759-2628. I see the red light of death is on. In the, we, have, uh, we have six stations in this building. And each station is equipped with uh, a sensor, an alarm. And when it blinks red, that means that one of the stations in the building is off the air, which, of course, is the worst thing that could happen. In radios, when you go off the air, and there are several reasons you can go off the air. Usually, it's a technical issue. And because there are six stations, sometimes you're in the building by yourself, and you're just in one studio. So they put the sensors in place to let you know, hey, something's off the air, something's wrong. And as I sit here, I look at the the sensor, and the red light of death is on, which means I can't fix it because I'm, I'm here. I can't leave a live show. So, there you go. That's one thing. <laughs> Add that to the list of things that I will not miss after Friday. Dealing with off-the-air issues. All right, so we're talking uh, NFL last segment. Uh, Lamar Jackson gets back to Ravens camp after uh, time off for his second COVID-positive test. And he, still, he says he's still on the fence about uh, getting vaccinated. So he's going to talk to his team, talk to the doctors, and take it from there. We're also talking about uh, Deshaun Watson, still the quarterback of the Texans, still all that drama going on. He returned uh, to Houston practice yesterday in pads for the first time. Then there's the Bears. The Bears. They open the preseason this Saturday. They host the Dolphins. That's a 1 o'clock game there at Soldier Field. And they have named Andy Dalton the starting quarterback. However, uh, they have also seen rookie Justin Fields take some pretty, pretty big steps in training camp to the point where I think it's inevitable, especially with a first-round pick at quarterback, that Fields will see the field at some point this season. Here's ESPN Bears reporter Jeff Dickerson. 
they are getting close. They're, they're not there yet. And that's what the Bears want, guys. They want this to be organically, right? They, they want everyone in the building to feel that Justin Fields' time has arrived. And then they're going to make that move. They're very impressed by Justin Fields. I've watched every single practice. There are days out there you watch him and you say, wow, look at that arm strength. Look at that mobility. This guy's got it all. But guys, there are other days where you say, hey, he's a rookie. He's making mistakes. Ball's not coming out fast enough. He's having some issues getting the plays in. Little things that they're still working on. But, I mean, they're building towards Justin Fields eventually being the guy. Guys, I'll mention this. You know, for a team in the Bears that historically almost always has bad quarterback plans, this has actually been a pretty good quarterback plan thus far because Andy Dalton, believe it or not, has had a very good training camp. He looks good. He knows the offense. They feel comfortable in him being kind of the steward here until Justin Fields is completely ready. Justin Fields is getting a lot of action as a number two quarterback. Nick Foles is the three, so his reps are dramatically reduced compared to Dalton and Justin Fields. They're going to play Justin Fields, guys, a lot in the preseason. Now, that's a big change. A couple years ago, Matt Nagy, the Bears head coach, a lot of criticism. Didn't play the first team guys at all hardly in the exhibition games. So they're going to make sure that Justin Fields plays a lot in these first two preseason games. He's getting a lot of reps in practice. They haven't gone as far yet as to say, okay, here's the plan for Fields when the regular season begins. It would not surprise me. Now, I think, again, Dalton, the plan is for him to be the guy week one. It would not surprise me that as they go along, they begin to use Justin Fields a little more, a little more. Here's a couple of plays. Hey, here's Justin Fields. He's in the huddle all of a sudden. What's going on? I think that is the plan. They just want to ramp this thing up properly to, again, when they say, okay, it's your time. There are no restrictions and no limitations. So while the Bears try to figure that out, and again, it's it's a matter of time. Fields is going to be on the field before the season's over, unless Andy Dalton has this amazing amazing, uh, resurgence and has a fantastic year and just doesn't leave the Bears any choice but to keep him there as starting quarterback. Uh, again, on Thursday, Washington opens the preseason at New England. The Steelers, after their Hall of Fame game, they're at Philadelphia. The Ravens open at home Saturday night, 7 o'clock. A game you can catch right here, oh, by the way, on WCMD, a 6.30 airtime, against New Orleans. The Saints, they're trying to figure out who their starting QB is going to be with a Drew Brees riding off into the sunset. It's going to be either Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. Then there's the question, regardless of who's under center, of who are they going to throw the ball to? Michael Thomas, their best receiver, will miss the start of the regular season after having surgery uh, on his ankle in June. The Saints are reportedly not happy that he waited so long to have the surgery. And then Thomas puts out this cryptic tweet over the weekend that says, quote, they tried to damage your reputation. You saved theirs by not telling your side of the story, end quote. Now, Thomas didn't really come out and say that that was, you know, about the Saints. But really, who else could it be about? And again, the the big issue is over the ankle, which he hurt in week one uh, last season. He only played in seven games. He started just five. The injury just kind of lingered throughout the whole year. And 
reportedly the Saints were like, you know, you need to rehab this. Uh, according to to one report, uh, Jeff Duncan from the Times Picayune or Pick how you pronounce it, the Saints agreed in March to let Thomas rehab without surgery. But then Thomas ended up having a surgery anyway. Three months after the Saints had suggested it. You, you got me there? So the Saints were like, hey, you might want to have surgery on this ankle. And then he's like, I don't think so. So they're like, okay, go ahead and rehab without surgery. But then he had it anyway in June. And with a three-month, like three to four-month recovery time, he won't start the season on time. So there's been some, some drama, if you will, surrounding the Saints and uh, Michael Thomas, which really just kind of delivers a blow to the Saints' skill positions, or skill position players, I should say. Uh, with more on that, here's Dan Orlovsky and Mina Kimes. Right now, when you look at the Saints' depth chart, it's incredibly thin uh, at skill player. And I would say, uh, other than potentially if you get a breakout from Adam Troutman, who's a second-year tight end, your top two targets are Alvin Kamara and Traquan Smith, who they drafted a few years ago fairly early on. When you look at what Taysom Hill did last year in this offense, he barely targeted Alvin Kamara, who was as quiet as he's been in a while, particularly, I think, because Taysom is more likely to check it down to his own feet. And Traquan Smith did get a few targets, but the case for him breaking out would be as a deep threat. He can stretch the field. He's not going to stretch the field with Taysom Hill. He's going to stretch the field more likely with Jameis Winston. So, Jameis Winston. So, well, I don't think this offense... There is much optimism without Michael Thomas either way. I think you can argue that there's a little bit more optimism with Jameis Winston in there at quarterback. Yeah, Mina Field, the more I think about the Saints, the more they remind me of the 2019-2020 New England Patriots. Mm, I think the reality is like the Saints a couple years ago did the same thing as New England. Like they went all in to go win a Super Bowl. That was their goal. They, They put all their cards on the table and said we're gonna go try to win the Super Bowl the reality is they didn't do it and New England did and if you look at the roster I remember talking about the Patriots in 19 and 20 going they don't have enough talent there's not enough skill and this is what I'm starting to see with the the, the New Orleans Saints is they're just deprived of talent and they're deprived of skill now they ran their offense for many years through Michael Thomas Mm -hmm. they they designed everything through his skill set and moving him around and without them, they still have a really good offensive line. And that's what they're going to have to do is, is, is run everything through their offensive line. But I said this a couple weeks ago. They could be in the same position that the 2019 and 2020 Patriots were, where they were deprived of talent, and then the same position they were last year as a football team. Yeah. Who is going to create the explosive plays in the pass game? Because they don't have the people to do it. Yeah, and, and the, the, first of all, that comparison is so accurate, right? Because similarly to the Patriots last year, with the Saints, you've got a, a deficit of talent at skill player, what should be a good run game, a very good offensive line with New England had, which New England had, and some question marks on defense. Right. Now, of course, they didn't, uh, the Saints don't have the sort of opt-outs that the Patriots did last year, and they don't have those losses in free agency, but they've got some losses right. 
in free agency. Like this Saints defense is not as talented as they were last year. And and more importantly, Dan, what they lack is depth. Mm -hmm. If they lose a cornerback or one of those pass rushers or or notably defensive tackle where they had a lot of losses in free agency, that's a big problem for this defense, and they are counting on this defense to carry the team. Yeah, and it's almost like reputation is greater than the results. You know, I remember everyone was like, it's New England, it's New England, because their reputation was so good. And the Saints have a great reputation, but I think there's a chance that the results don't match up with what is expected and or their reputation that has become synonymous with, synonymous with New Orleans. So uh, in Italian, what they're saying is uh, the Saints are an absolute mess. And we'll see how much of a mess they are this Saturday when they open the preseason at Baltimore. Again, that's a 7 o'clock game Saturday. Catch the game right here on this very station. All right, uh, one final break and then back to wrap up the show. Stick around. Rush rolls on. WCMD. This is the Morning Rush. Before we get out of here, let's check on the player who delivered. Brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. How about the White Sox, Eloy Jimenez, who homered twice and drove in five runs for the second straight game as Chicago hammered Minnesota yesterday 11-1. to Jimenez became the first White Sox player ever to have consecutive games of at least two homers and five runs batted in. He's the first to do it in the majors since Bryce Harper did it in 2015. Jimenez now has five homers and 14 RBI in 10 games since returning from the injured list. So for his efforts last night, two homers, five RBI for the second straight night. The White Sox, Eloy Jimenez, our player who delivered, brought to you by All Seasons Landscaping and Supply Yard. And we'll put that in file 13. Right now, the White Sox, you look at the leaders in the American League, uh, the Rays lead the East by four games. The Astros have a two-game lead in the West over Oakland. The White Sox, a ten-and-a-half game lead over the Indians. And of all of the leaders in the AL, uh, ESPN's Jessica Mendoza says, look out for those shy socks. You just look at what we saw tonight, and granted, it's against the Twins, but even the course of the weekend, and you mentioned it in Sunday Night Baseball against the Cubs, I mean, we've seen this White Sox team pretty much just showcase all of it. I mean, the home runs, the offense, the star power, I mean, there's so many names within this lineup. Jose Abreu, by the way, the AL MVP was probably the quiet man the last few days. Eloy Jimenez, you saw the two home runs. Tim Anderson, also a home run. Johan Moncada wanted to get in on the party. He had to hit one, too. And you flip it around, and I look at Lucas Giolito, the start that he had tonight. Their starting pitching has not even gotten the same attention as the offense because of everything that that you've seen. But they got better also, even with their bullpen, the trade deadline, going and getting Craig Kimbrell to add. By the way, they already have a closer in Liam Hendricks, who's one of the best in the game. So between their starting pitching and the bullpen arms, this team has everything that is needed to head into October. They got even better at the trade deadline. It's an exciting team to watch right now, but just wait a couple months. <laughs> yeah, they are kind of tough to judge, they're, and they're a hard team to use statistics for because you mentioned the injuries, guys coming back, and the new pitchers who have joined them. What about the fear of playing in a weak division 
having a large lead and losing the edge. We've seen this in the wild card era, Jessica. Teams who are in playoff games in September the entire month tend to go into the playoffs with momentum. Uh, what's your concern there, and how do you, you how do you deal with that? I think that is the biggest concern because right now the gap, and, and you saw it tonight. I mean, these are games that you're going to see a lot more of within the division. Huge blowouts. They're absolutely dominant within that AL Central, but... What I liked tonight, Bucci, was the fact that you saw still runners going first to third. You saw runners tagging up at second base on a fly ball hit to center field to get to that extra base. And what did they do? They continued to hit. Lucas Giolito, I mean, the way he was sweating looked like he was pitching in a playoff game. I do credit Tony LaRussa. I credit Jose Abreu, who leads this team, to keep them motivated. It doesn't matter if it's 11-1. to 1. They have to have that mindset. They did tonight, but they got to keep that going all the way until October. I remember when people lost their minds when the White Sox hired uh, La Russa as a manager, right? People went crazy. Like, how can they do that? He's too old. He's had some issues in the past, blah, blah, blah. They got a ten and a half game lead in the Central. And you heard Bucci talk about, well, they, you know, they play in a weak division. And the Central is weak. Like the second best team is Cleveland. They're at 500 at 55 and 55. But when you look at the breakdown, the White Sox are 37 and 23 against the Central. They're 13 and 7 against the AL East. Now, I don't know exactly who they played in the East. Could have been the Orioles. Who knows? Actually, I know they played the Orioles at some point. They're 9 and 11 against the West. That's not great. But they're 8 and 5 interleague. So they're doing okay against the other division. It's not just their lofty record in a weak division. They got a ten and a half game lead. For all intents and purposes, they're going to make the playoffs. After that, who knows? Look out for the White Sox under the management of one Tony Larusa. Do not forget tonight we got Nationals baseball for you. The Nats uh, taking on the Mets in New York. Uh, Espino gets to start, and we will have that game for you airtime at six forty. So there you go. And we also have Ravens football for your preseason action coming up on a Saturday. All right, that's it. Two shows down, three more to go before your boy rides off into the sunset. Stick around. Amanda is up next with Tri-State Today. Thank you for listening. Have yourself a wonderful Tuesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning with the venerable one, Mike Burke, 6 a.m. sharp. I am Tony C. This is The Morning Rush. And I am done. Bye.